Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit U, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter, and I encourage you to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U, Veteran Strike Force, or Life After Military Service. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore U. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. You can find a link to open the account on the episode page, and you can also email me questions at consulting at com or send messages through Facebook and Twitter. You'll find a Nonprofit You fan page on Facebook, and the Twitter account is at Profit You. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. Today's episode is Life After Military Service, Issues and Resources for Veterans and Their Families. We'll talk about the most common issues impacting veterans and their families, the Veterans Strike Force, and available resources. Again, we encourage you to call in with questions and participate in live chat at about the 30-minute mark. And if you're in our chat room, you don't have to wait 30 minutes to post. You can start posting now. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. We really would love it if veterans and nonprofit professionals who deal with veterans, if they can call in and share your stories and ask questions, and you don't have to be a veteran, and you don't have to work with veterans, but, you know, we would really, really love to hear from those particular segments. If by any chance you are an elected official, we would especially love to hear from you. Our guest for today is Dumont Moore, founder of the Veterans Strike Force here in Chicago, and we'll let Dumont come to you in his own way in just a minute. So, Dumont, thank you so much for being a guest today, and it's indeed an honor to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work with the Veteran Strike Force? Yes, Val. Good afternoon. Uh, it's an honor to be on your talk radio show. And uh, in 1999, I participated in a veteran stress group at the Jesse Brown VA Hospital. Mm-hmm. In this group, we had a number of vets who were waiting for benefits, and we had been waiting for maybe two to three to five years to ten years for benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, our therapist told us that she was sick and tired of us talking about benefits all the time. And she said, if you really want to make a change in the system, what you're going to have to do is, and I recommend you do it, is start your own veteran service organization. 
And hence, we became Veteran Strike Force in 1999, chartered Illinois State Charter in uh, year 2000. Hmm, awesome. Now, what about you? Can you give us a little background on yourself? I'm a Vietnam vet. I'm a Vietnam combat disabled vet. I'm also a patient at Jesse Brown VA at Jesse Brown VA Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm 100% mm-hmm. disabled. And uh, uh, I've been in treatment for the last 26 years. Wow. I'm also a co-founder and past commander of Veteran Strike Force. And we're located at Jesse Brown VA Hospital. We have an office there, and we also have an information table in the atrium of the Jesse Brown VA Hospital across from the pharmacy. We could be reached mm-hmm. every day from 9 to 12 to answer questions and give information to veterans in need of services. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And before we go any further, I just want to say thank you so much for your service. And your service, you know, not only have you put yourself in harm's way for, you know, for our country, but you have also in many ways politically and and anybody who lives in the 24th war (laughs) knows maybe sometimes physically you have put yourself in harm's way, you know, doing community service for a number of elected officials, um, you know, just to make sure that we can enjoy a better quality of life. And I just wanted to say thank you so much before we go on. You're welcome. Thank you. Now, can you give us a brief overview of some of the issues that are facing veterans after they return from service? And, you know, we're just going to do a summary now, and then we'll go into a little bit more detail once we get into the nitty-gritty of our conversation. Well, Val, in my opinion, the main issue is mental health. That's one of the main Mm -hmm. issues. But as you know, Mm -hmm. veterans being soldiers and being the strongest among us, we sometimes neglect going to get and seek help for ourselves. And many veterans don't know that the VA hospital actually exists, and they exist for the purpose of of serving veterans. Many vets fear going to the VA hospital. Mental Mm -hmm. health being the number one issue, then you have to – you have to narrow it down a little further to substance abuse, self-medicating. You have to narrow it down to joblessness, homelessness. Mm-hmm. And when you go there, it opens the door to a whole lot of other issues that would take up probably most of this hour. Wow. That, but if you want is... me to be, if you want me to be specific about certain issues, I'll comment on mm-hmm. those as well. Oh, okay. All right, good. There's, uh, we do have a lot to talk about, and then, you know, we could um, get more specific later on. So, okay, sounds good. Um, with that, okay, so with that said, can you tell us about some of the work that you guys are doing with the Veterans Strike Force? Well, we began, we opened up... <laughs> 
we open up the table, uh, which is the information table, uh, at 8 o'clock every morning uh, uh, from uh, Monday through Friday. And on that mm-hmm. table, we have uh, information that would uh, that would be good for veterans seeking uh, a job, needing an attorney, mm-hmm. uh, different programs that are available, uh, stand-down uh, times and dates, uh, issues mostly that confront veterans that you wouldn't normally find uh, on a, on the street or or, or in the newspaper, we offer this information free of charge, and our services are free of charge. <clears throat> we're we're part of uh, Jesse Brown's Volunteer Services Program, and mm-hmm. uh, like I said, we're there from from eight to twelve every day for the last eighteen years. It's amazing how time flies. Eighteen years. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So one would think that given that veterans have served our country and that they had to register with the United States government, you know, through the armed forces, that they'll be very, very easy to track and reach, you know, once they come out. But from what I read, that's not necessarily true. What's been your experience? Is that true or is it or is it false? I mean, can they be easily well, reached? It's true. It's hard to reach veterans. Uh, it's hard to reach veterans because they have some type of uh, mandate where the VA can't advertise services that they provide for veterans. So veterans, for the most part, don't really know that those services or even that the VA exists. A lot of veterans, wow. you know, when they they have to get it word of mouth, you know, from another vet, uh, or they have to come to the Jesse Brown VA Hospital and, uh, and register uh, at the admissions desk uh, so that they can mm-hmm. access some of the benefits and services that is available to them. Now, adjacent to the VA hospital, you have the VA regional office where you can access benefits. But then again, no the Department of Veterans Affairs don't advertise entitlements or services that they provide for vet, for veterans um, through the public. Mm-hmm. And, and I really don't know why that is. Uh, I've uh, I've uh, made a public service announcements. Uh, uh, we've uh, had campaigns to uh, reach out to veterans, uh, especially the homeless vets. Um, Mm-hmm. I even, I even, we even attempted to start a, a homeless shelter at uh, Lionel Missionary Baptist Church on the west side of Chicago at uh, Independence mm-hmm. and Roosevelt, which is twelve twenty seven South Independence Boulevard. And uh, so far, it's a work in progress, and we're we're still we're still uh, we're still working at it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it's mostly word of mouth. Uh, a lot of veterans really don't want to really don't want to show up at a VA hospital because we believe, for the most part, that we are that it would we would appear helpless, or we would appear mm-hmm. uh, uh, hopeless, or we would appear uh, as though we had mental a mental health issue, and nobody wants to be labeled as oh he's crazy. 
you know. Mm-hmm. So right. I was lucky, you know. I I was told that um, my behavior dictated a symptom, a illness, a disease called PTSD. And mm-hmm. I was lucky because a veteran friend of mine told me that uh, he was seeking treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder, and I should probably do the mm-hmm. same thing. You know, substance abuse, mm-hmm. uh, divorce, job after job after job, and I didn't know the mm-hmm. VA even exists or that they could help me. So our main issue, our main goal, our mission is to get the word out to all the vets mm-hmm. that the VA does exist, and they exist there primarily to help us, and they should uh, mm-hmm. They should use the VA before they cut the lights off. Okay. So I, I just want to do a follow-up. When you were first discharged from the military, uh, was there any procedure that you had to go through that would orient you and tell you, you know, where to go for veteran services, or you were basically just discharged and put out, you know, on your own to fend for yourself? For the most part, we were on our own. We didn't we didn't know the fundamentals of uh, the uh, uh, Department of Veterans Affairs, and uh, well, I also have a thing called uh, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, Agent Orange, and when I did go to the VA hospital to seek treatment, I was examined, mm-hmm. and. And the, the clinician, the doctor, was looking at my stomach, and uh, he seen the rash and everything from Agent Orange, and uh, I told him it was seasonal. And he said, well, there's nothing wrong with you. All you have to do is, uh, all you have to do is, uh, when you leave out of here, go get you some dial soap. So that turned me off. You know, it, it was, he, was signal, he was signaling that, uh, I, 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 that I wasn't clean. So that turned me off for about 10 years, and I neglected even going back until uh, I talked to some some more vets in my community, and uh, I went back. um, I went Mm -hmm. back to seek treatment because when I came home, my mom said, hey, you're not the same person that I sent to Vietnam. You're not the same person Mm -hmm. that I sent to the military. You're somebody different, you know. And uh, she says that... uh, while she loved me, I wasn't the same person that she sent mm-hmm. over. I wasn't the same person that came back. So I had to okay. go, go and seek treatment. Did she say how you were different? And if she did say, is it something you care to share? Well, again, that's a long story. I felt as though okay. I didn't I didn't fit in. I, I had okay. I had went went through I had went through college, manhood, I had went through combat, uh I had done a lot of things that people, young men my age, hadn't couldn't even think about all within a year's time of serving in Vietnam. So mm-hmm. uh you know, uh I, I mean I still got wounds on my body from that from that mm-hmm. ordeal. Yeah. So I still wow. suffer from Okay, and again, we can't thank you enough for your service and your sacrifices. Obviously, um, 
So getting back to the original question of people being hard to find and hard to to locate, you know, one thing, you know, and I I would hope that things are a little bit different now for vets that are currently coming out, that there may be better systems in place for them to get connected to services. No, is that no. no, it's not. No, it's nothing okay. in place. What I'm attempting to do is start a public service announcement campaign in an attempt to reach out to veterans all over the country. And Mm -hmm. it's been difficult for me to do this, uh, and it's so simple to do. And I I don't know why there's a law against the Department of Veterans Affairs to advertise services that they provide so veterans could know. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So So I'm going to I mean, I'm going to continue pushing forward with this campaign uh as often as I can and as resources mm-hmm. begin to come in I'll be more effective in doing this. Okay. Now have you talked to any of your elected officials on the federal level, your congressmen, your senators and let them know that, you know, this is an issue, you know, it makes no sense for it to be a law that says that the VA can't advertise their services. Well, again, they probably don't know, but for the last 10 years that I could think of, Veteran Strike Force has been a has been has been a member of a, a congressional uh, congressional task, a Veterans Congressional Task Force uh, in the Seventh District. I believe that's Danny Davis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. And um, I'm sure he's aware of those issues, but there are so many issues that are on the table and so complex that it's hard to kind of narrow any of them down. Um, mm-hmm. So we're just biding our time. You know, I, I feel that when the right time comes, uh, all this will be brought to the light and, uh, and veterans mm-hmm. will be able to gain access to a lot of the services and benefits that uh they have truly earned and deserved. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit U, and we're speaking with Dumont Moore. Dumont is the co-founder of the Veteran Strike Force here in Chicago. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience and our chat room at about the 30-minute mark. I want to remind you that our call-in number is 347 884 one two one. Again, that number is three four seven eight eight four eight one two one. So, Dumont, in preparation for the show, you know, I looked at a number of websites, and one of them was um, the Illinois Department of Veteran Affairs. And according to a report they put together back in twenty twelve, um, they said that there were over seven hundred and sixty. 4,000 veterans here, right here in the state of Illinois. And at that time, they expected to add about 35,000 more by the end of this year. And if that's true, you know, there are approximately 800,000 veterans in this state. Um, Of that number, about 20% of post-9-11 vets suffer from PTSD and one in three of Vietnam vets suffer from PTSD. 
So what are some of the strategies, you guys, that veterans, of course, are using to help veterans cope? Well, in many instances, what we do is we we do concentrate and focus on what some of the uh, statistics say. But for the most part, we have to grab them when we can get them. When they come into the VA, we try to steer them in the right direction and tell them that, you know, these are some of the things that you need to be doing. You need to be screened, first of all, uh, and then you need to seek some type of treatment. And then you have to file some claims because if you can't work, you can't take care of your family. If you can't take care of yourself and your family, depression begins to set in. And if depression sets in, then you begin thinking all kind of weird things. You begin to self-medicate because you're depressed. And a whole lot of mm-hmm. other issues follow, you know. So mm-hmm. a lot of the strategies that we use, we use word of mouth. And in many instances, what we do is we have strategy meetings. Veteran Strike Force has strategy meetings, and we sit down and we talk about some of the things that we are able to do. And with a lack of funding, Valerie, it's kind of hard kind of hard to do those things. Uh, One Mm -hmm. of the things that we had attempted to do was to uh, establish Vetsville, and this is a place where veterans could heal. This is a place where veterans could get a holistic round of treatment that would benefit them. They would come into, homeless vets would come into the facility. We would feed them, clothe them, and we would uh, screen them to the and give them. We would give them counsels and tell them where to go mm-hmm. so that they could clean up and so that they can get the services that they need. But for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, this is this is this is still on the drawing board, and we made an attempt to do it. But so many issues came about since then, uh, and with no funding, uh, it makes it kind of difficult to move forward mm-hmm. with a lot of these programs that we have established, but they're still on the drawing board and they're still in black and white. And at any given mm-hmm. time we could implement those programs uh, if it was not for uh, lack of funding. So, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we're we're on the case. We're a group of vets helping vets. And this has always mm-hmm. been, uh, this has always been our, our mission, a group of vets, helping vets whenever we can. Um, uh, at the Jesse Brown VA Hospital, we're, we're very effective. And there, there's a, the hospital director and, uh, and uh, staff members, they're very supportive. They're very mm-hmm. supportive of us being there uh, mm-hmm. because we're able to solve a lot of problems and uh, we're able to... Um, uh, do advocacy work where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the regular advocacy people, uh, like patients' representatives, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Better Strike Force might see, uh, might talk to maybe 250 veterans within that four-hour period of time, giving out mm-hmm. information. At one time, we gave out, uh, we, had, we had enough funding through ourselves to uh, actually have uh, bus cards so veterans could get back and forth to the different to the different programs that they had signed up for because many of them were homeless and they were out on the street. They were sleeping on park benches in Grand Park. They were sleeping in alleyways. You know, they were 
They were just uh, sleeping in parks. Uh, I used to drive down Lakeshore Drive when I got myself together, and I'd see tents pitched in Grand Park, Mm -hmm. you know, premier world-class city, and you got your veterans in parks, you know. So I took a lot of pictures, and I brought it to the attention of a lot of people. And some things happened, you know, try to curb some of these issues that veterans are faced with. But for the most part, uh, it's, the bureaucratic machine prevails, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you really don't know who you can go talk to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I think what I'm hearing is not only is it difficult to know who, but who you actually can talk to and trust that your issues will be taken care of satisfactorily. Is, is that what you're saying? I want to thank you for that explanation. Very well put. Okay. All righty. Well, that that's great. So I, I just want to be clear. Um, it sounds to me like you guys are working in partnership with Jesse Brown, VA. You know, it sounds to me like Veterans Strike Force is primarily a group of volunteers. They're veterans who realize that, you know, nobody cares for veterans more than veterans. So who else is going to do this work? But us, you can't necessarily wait for the government. But at the same time, you have a good partner with Jesse Brown VA Medical Center. And it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that in addition to these groups that you facilitate, there are also medical services being offered to help people with PTSD and some behavioral health issues as well. Is is that correct? Well, we don't have, Veterans Strike Force per se does not have any PTSD groups going, although we direct mm-hmm. veterans who access the hospital to join a PTSD group or be screened for I gotcha. uh, PTSD. And there mm-hmm. are many groups available. Like I said, I've been in a PTSD group for the last 26 years, and I, I probably mm-hmm. will have to continue to go because we're always picking up different tools that we could use when we become depressed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, uh, that's one of our main goals is to try to grab these vets as we can because statistics show today that 23 veterans every day commit suicide. Every oh, my day. goodness. That's and that's only, the, that's only the ones that we could count. 23. There's probably more. Mm-hmm. That's another story. Because you, know, you got some incarcerated. You got some mm-hmm. that uh, are completely off the radar because they're homeless, haven't registered anywhere to do anything. So uh, no one's going to call in and say, oh, another veteran. Uh, it's not, 20, not 23 anymore. Now it's 25. Nobody's going to up those numbers because it sheds light. It brings the spotlight on the Department of Veterans Affairs as to, well, why is this so high? Why are the numbers mm-hmm. so high? Recently, Jesse right. Brown held a crisis intervention uh, seminar um, uh, where uh, it was doing, uh, I believe it was doing Suicide Prevention Month, and uh, uh, Jesse Brown signed a pack you know, and a lot of the clinicians there at the hospital signed the pack that they would do everything that they could to try to bring those numbers down. 
I believe mm-hmm. that they're going to do it, especially with the new director, uh, Mr. Mark uh, McGill. Uh, mm-hmm. He's uh, he's on the case, and then along with uh, along with uh, Marilyn Mohammed, who's the patient advocate uh, um, uh, 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 department head. I believe a whole mm-hmm. lot could be done. Uh, but you just have to wait and see. But what are we going to do in the meantime? How are we going to right. save these vets in the meantime? Can you put out on the air that Jesse Brown VA Hospital actually exists for our inner city vets, and we've got Hines out in Maywood that actually exists for for veterans all over all over the county, all over the state. Mm-hmm. You know, the message has to be put out that the VA is there to help veterans. And if Mm -hmm. we don't access that hospital, the government will probably shut it down. Well, you know, they already shut down. They shut down Lakeside Hospital down on the Magnificent Mile. uh, Turned it over to Northwestern Hospital. And we fought hard for that. But it was either losing Lakeside uh, or losing Jesse Brown in the inner city. So everyone mm-hmm. opt to keep Jesse Brown and get rid of Lakeside. And I think we got, I think we got, I think we got put in the wash on that deal. Um, I was there, you know, I, mm-hmm. with the, I was there with the Department of Veterans Affairs director. Uh, I believe at that time his name was Anthony Principi. <clears throat> and uh, we were trying to save, uh, save the hospital. They had several programs going. They had several mm-hmm. accounting firms trying to count the numbers, bean counters trying to count the numbers as it related to how many vets would actually use that facility downtown. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to them, we began to have more conflicts in other parts of the world, and all the patients that was at Lakeside came over to Westside, Westside now mm-hmm. known as Jesse Brown VA Hospital. So, uh the, the bean counters were wrong, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. We we need more we need more facilities to address some of the issues that veterans are faced with. If we don't get them, the numbers are going to increase. The suicide rate mm-hmm. is going to rise, and we'll be in more trouble than we ever have been as it relates to access and care for veterans. If we really mm-hmm. care, we take a close look at that. Okay, thank you for that. And what I can do, you know, I can at least add to this episode page some links to some veteran resources, including the VA, so that when people listen to this episode in the future, they can see those links and and access the links. And then if they know people who benefit from the service, they can do that. I also have the number to Veteran Strike Force, you know, that's playing um, on our slideshow. So hopefully people can call in, you know, if they need some help there. That's only if they have access to the Internet. Now, you know, homeless people don't right. have access to the Internet. So that's the majority true. of that's homeless true. vets can't, can't access those services. Our plan, mm-hmm. Veterans Strike Force's plan, was to access the trains, buses, airplanes, uh, 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 and those mediums to actually put up posters mm-hmm. on those vehicles, so that if a veteran was on a was at a bus stop and he 
in, in one of those shelters, he could actually see that, oh, yeah, I suffer from PTSD. And, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know I can get I didn't, I didn't know I can get help, you know, at the VA hospital for mm-hmm. that, you know. And, and it gives the telephone number and it gives the address and it, and also tells mm-hmm. you about the regional office where you could go and uh, you could file a claim because if you can't work and take care of your family, you become depressed, just like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And income, mm-hmm. substance abuse, alcoholism, and a whole lot of other things attached to it, like. Uh, even 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 divorce and alienation and a whole lot of other things breaks down the family structure, you know. So mm-hmm. these are some of the things that I actually was faced with, you know. So mm-hmm. um, I had I realized that uh, my mom told me she didn't recognize me and she didn't know who I was. It was time for me to go get me some help. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. a mama when a mama tells. When a mama tells the child, I, I just don't know who you are, you know. So mm-hmm. that's our plan. We want to do a public service announcement. We want it on. Uh, we want it on the trains, the buses, and mm-hmm. bus shelters and bus stations. We want it in, in churches. We want it in supermarkets. We want it in as many places as we can possibly put posters so veterans that access these places can actually see that the Department of Veterans Affairs does care, and we care, and this is where you can come and get help. Okay, so have you done any outreach to the organizations that can help you fund that or even to, say, advertising firms, marketing firms, or firms that do political advertising for politicians, them on board to help them, you know, to get them to donate some services so that you can get the word yeah. out. Have, have you tried any of those strategies? Well, we got services. We just don't have the necessary funds to go about it in the way that we would like to go about it. Uh, our attempt was to to deal with the uh, national uh, ad campaign. Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. Ad campaign, mm-hmm. And we didn't, we didn't, we didn't quite get that far. The majority of our forward progress has been out-of-pocket money from veterans who wanted to donate money for that for those purposes. And out-of-pocket mm-hmm. money is kind of hard, especially when you're trying to wait for the Department of Veterans Affairs to grant your claim, and you can't right. work. You know, or you have to feed a monkey that's been on your back for many years. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to donate money to a worthy cause. So this is where we're about doing it. And, and what I did was I, I began, we began to make up posters, and uh, we just put them in the safe until until it's time to actually break them out, mm-hmm. you know, when we can get funding okay. so that we could distribute them in a fashion that's necessary so veterans know that help is available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the press could be your friend too in this campaign. The who? The press, the media. Oh well, yeah, so. I I don't know about much of that. Uh, maybe local newspapers might might jump on it, you know. But even even still, you know, local newspapers, uh, you know, they have a budget as well, you know, and they can only print right, right. so much, you know. So right. like I said. 
we got between a rock and a hard place. We ain't got no money, and we got plenty of soldiers, and we got plenty of people willing to volunteer mm-hmm. services. Uh, as far as distribution, it's just that you got to buy paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to right. do, do a lot of do a lot of legwork, and uh, that that even costs money. But the word needs to get out that uh, there is a place where veterans can get help, and this is what our intentions is now. Okay, great. And, you know, I guess going back to the homeless question, you know, I was on that website, you know, Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs, and they indicated that 13% of Illinois veterans are homeless and, and any given day, on any given day, over 1,100 veterans could be out on the streets overnight. So I, I know you already talked about Vetsville as, you know, one potential strategy where you're giving not only housing but supportive services, but, you know, that's a long-term project. In the meantime, what are some of the strategies that you can do to help people, you know, who are homeless, you know, with very, very limited funds that you have? What are some of the things you can do? You know, not only are veterans having problems accessing shelter, you know, on these cold winter nights, general public who is homeless also have difficulties accessing uh, shelter on these cold winter nights or on any given night. The main thing Mm -hmm. is for the general public to know is that the veteran population by and large is a very unique and special population, population group of people. And we don't get along for the most part with everybody. Uh, we have to be, we have to be, with veterans, with other veterans. That's what Vetsville was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's unique, and and we're special in a sense that we're the only population group of people that, uh, as a matter of fact, we are even the largest voting block of people, the veterans mm. group. So you know. Being in that category, Val, what happens is, um, you know, as proud as we are and we have been and we will probably continue to be proud of the services that we provided, we're also ashamed that we're homeless. We're also ashamed that we're jobless, you know, you got you got population of, of veterans. Veterans could do. Veterans could have been known to do. Look, <clears throat> I seen an airstrip where a 747 could land in the middle of the jungle, where mm-hmm. uh, for where a uh, um, uh, where soldiers uh, cleared the cleared a runway where a 747 can run or can land in the jungle. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. and now when you get back to civilization, they won't even hire you at United or Delta. You know, um, these are some of the things that are that are troubling, and veterans don't like to be embarrassed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that right. leads them down that same road to to um, leads them down a very depressing road toward suicide. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's so complex that it's it's very hard, and I've, I've been down that road myself. I thought I used to think to myself that I don't think I'll ever make it out of this because I don't have anybody 
I don't have anybody that could help me. While my family was mm-hmm. supportive, you know, they couldn't they couldn't give me everything that I needed. You know, I needed mm-hmm. health care. I needed health care. I needed um uh in line of uh health care, I needed to be service connected so that I could fend for myself. Veterans don't mm-hmm. want handouts, we want a hand up. Right, right, right. Yeah, we're looking for. I do. We're looking for a hand yeah. up. If you give us a hand up, we can, we can go the rest of the way by ourselves. You know. <laughs> so. Uh, yes, yes, that, yes. That's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at with that. Uh, but the time is coming. You know, you got you got Veterans Day coming, where everybody's going to be out with their. All the politicians are going to be out with their flags. They're going to be giving speeches, and they're going to be talking about. <laughs> <clears throat> how wonderful our veteran population is and we need to support them. Right, right. But the next for the but the next I mean they I mean even your corporations, they'll give you a free meal, they'll give you a cup of coffee, they'll give you a ten percent discount. There's so many things that that can happen on that particular day. But what happens to me on Monday morning? You go in one right. of those establishments and ask for a cup of coffee, they'll look at you like you're crazy. You know, so, you know, this can't be a one-day celebration, you know, Veterans Day. This has to be a year-round effort to bring veterans back into the mainstream of society and improve mm-hmm. their quality of life. This has to be an everyday effort. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, great. I just Yeah, I just want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit U. We're speaking with Dumont Moore, the co-founder of Veteran Strike Force here in Chicago. If you have any questions, please give us a call. We're at 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. You can also post in the chat room, but remember, if you post in the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. And, and again, our number is 347-884-8121. So I want to skip around a little bit because we are um, running short of time. Um, the Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs has indicated that unemployment among veterans, you know, in the general population, you know, is slightly lower than it is for um, the state as a whole. However, when you start looking at young male veterans between 18 and 24, there's an unemployment rate of 28% compared to 7% for the state back in 2013. And for women, it was 9% versus 7% back in 2013. And then if we were to dissect this even smaller and start looking at black communities, particularly in low-income black communities like the one we're from, North Lawndale, that number could probably be even higher. You know, I would estimate, you know, between 40 and 50% or even more, you know. And then, you know, hearing what you just said, you know, you can get different skills and there's no guarantee that those are going to necessarily translate into something that you'll do in civilian life. And even if it does, there's no guarantee that the corporations will hire you. So 
what are some of the strategies that Veteran Strike Force is using to help connect veterans with jobs and the skills that they need in order to get and maintain the jobs? A lot of times what we suggest for veterans who are in distress, veterans who access the VA hospital, the first thing the first thing that we uh, suggest to the veteran is to get some help first before mm-hmm. you try to reach out before you try to reach out to somebody's job. <clears throat> Especially if you're suffering from if you're a combat veteran or if you're a veteran period, you know, uh, the military effects on adult human development is astounding. You would not mm-hmm. believe all the effects that the military veterans experience uh, uh, unless you actually bring up that that part of the literature that tells you how many effects that are associated with post-traumatic stress disorder. <clears throat> reason why I didn't know what was wrong with me, Val, is because I had heard of shell shock, but I had never mm-hmm. heard of post-traumatic stress disorder. I had even heard about battle fatigue. I had never heard about post-traumatic stress disorder, so again, yeah. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what I had. That's why I suggest to the many veterans who are still out there: come to the VA hospital, get screened, um, uh, come to get some help, be registered so that you can be screened, so they can determine. What is exact? What exactly do you need? Uh, uh, if you need substance abuse counseling, it's available. If you need mental health counseling, that's available. If you need, if you mm-hmm. have medical needs like uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, all these things can be addressed. You can even get your toenails clipped at the Jesse Brown VA Hospital. It's mm-hmm. a place where veterans can come and get help, and you have to ask the VA hospital in order to pull yourself together so that you can eventually seek employment. But many times it doesn't work out like that because once you've been labeled as when you fill out an application and they ask you about your medical history and they mm-hmm. ask you what might be wrong with you, you tell them you had mental health issues, and they call you in for a second interview to to make a determination as to whether or not they want to hire you, uh, and you tell them it's PTSD that you've been diagnosed with, well, you'll get the uh, 15 to 10 to 15% preference points that they give you on job applications, but for the most part, Somebody else scored higher than you, and more than likely they were a civilian. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I suggest to all veterans get yourself well first before you go out mm-hmm. and try to seek job employment. <clears throat> I had from Vietnam to today, well, let's say from Vietnam to 1989 when I retired from the Cook County Sheriff's Police Department. I had 37 jobs. Wow. And I also maintained maintained my position with the Cook County Sheriff's Office only because I was politically attached. But my behavior behavior suggested that I should have probably been fired a long time ago. But Mm -hmm. with my political connection, uh, 
that 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 it, they called it clout. It, it kept me there, so I was saved like that. I was able to, I was able to have a twenty-eight year career with the sheriff's department, so mm-hmm. that helped quite a bit. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't getting any help at the time, and my behavior dictated. I even went through AP. APE, uh, Employment uh, Employee Assistance Program, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, EPA, I, EAP, I'm sorry, EAP. Right, I, I sought help from uh, from those people, but until I went to the Jesse Brown VA hospital, man, <laughs> I didn't begin to get better until I actually mm-hmm. registered and I started to participate and different programs mm-hmm. with other veterans who were just like me. And I started talking to them. We were sharing information. We were bonding together. They would tell me uh, secrets that they knew about, and I would tell them secrets that they knew about. We would never fall into on the same tripwire, you know, or we would mm-hmm. never have to jump over the same hurdle because somebody was there to say, hey, look, don't go in that direction. Go in this direction. Mm-hmm. Just one thing I have to say, when a veteran does try to get help at the VA hospital, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what they should do first is try to get well and have as, uh, as much patience as they can muster because it takes a long time when you file a claim to actually get awarded service-connected benefits where you're actually uh, uh, receiving some monetary award where you can take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you can pay your, pay your mortgage, you can pay your light bill, gas bill, you can buy yourself some groceries, you know, you can uh, buy tokens for yourself so you could ride the bus. <clears throat> but if you don't, if you don't have any patience, you'll soon become depressed even more so because you know you've already applied. So what's taken them so long? It took mm-hmm. me 18 years, Val. It took me 18 years wow. before I actually became service-connected. And just between you and I, and I'm sure that uh, that's probably impossible since we're on the radio, mm-hmm. radio wave. But right. just between you and I, I feel that I was cheated because they told me at one point during the claims process that I had abandoned my claim. And I had to start all wow. over again from scratch. That was at the six-year mark. So I'm, wow. I'm about uh, I'm about two hundred thousand dollars in the rear because uh, a mistake, a management, uh, uh, a mistake that they made, and uh, and 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 they said that I had abandoned my claim. But guess where I was when they said that I had abandoned my claim. I was at North Chicago VA up in Waukegan. I was at North Chicago VA up in (laughs) Waukegan, and I sent them a memo saying that I'm concerned about the status of my claim. I'm at the North Chicago VA facility being treated for post-traumatic stress disorder and substance abuse, and I'd just like to know. Well, some kind of way they never got that message, and I've been fighting with them for an earlier effective date on my claim ever since. So that's where I am. Wow. You got to have veteran has to have has to have patience going through this process. And uh, if 
it is our belief through Strikeforce and myself that if you file a claim, and I'm filing a claim because <clears throat> I need some type of monetary award so that I can become whole again, uh, process that claim right away. Process it within at least a three to five month, even less period of time so mm-hmm. veteran can move on with his life. And when you start uh, uh, playing letter tag uh, with the Department of Veterans Affairs, that 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 kind of that's even more uh, disturbing and uh, distressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the game that they want to play. So you know, mm-hmm. you didn't cross your eyes, you didn't dot your eyes and cross your t's. So now you got to send that back with your eyes and t's crossed. Now you got to wait six wow. months for them to respond back to you. To tell you that well, you miss one eye that you didn't dot. Dot this eye and send the paperwork back to me, and uh, <clears throat> we'll let you know. Well, when you do that, you know they'll come up with some more issues, and that's only because of workforce. You know, uh, mm-hmm. workforce at the regional office. You know, <clears throat> they've had a bad report card that I know of for the last twenty-five years, and mm-hmm. while they don't take ownership of those mistakes. Uh, sometimes and in many instances, they blame they blame the veteran for not doing what he or she mm-hmm. is supposed to do. So, mm-hmm. who loses? We lose. Like mm-hmm. I said before, uh, had I not had I not had a support system through my family to help me through these bad times, um, I probably would have still been out there homeless. And helpless, mm-hmm. and on the verge of committing uh, Harry Carey, but uh, yeah. by the grace of God, that did not happen. I was homeless at at mm. one time. I was eating out of garbage cans, man. You know, wow. Uh, wow. because you know I didn't think nobody cared anything about me anymore. But there are a lot of underlying issues that went along with PTSD as well that triggers PTSD. There's not a night mm-hmm. that I can't get a full night's sleep without having a flashback or a dream about my past experiences. Somebody mm-hmm. is always shooting at me or chasing me or I'm about to get blown up by a grenade or just a whole lot of issues, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I fight these demons on a, on a nightly, uh, on a daily basis, Uh People talk about nightmares. I have daymares as well. You know, I could, mm-hmm. I could, I could, I could be out, you know, and about, you know, trying to run errands or take care of uh, little things that I need to do. And if a helicopter comes over my head, I, I mm-hmm. begin to go try to seek cover. Or if I hear a loud mm-hmm. bang, I'm ducking behind mm-hmm. a car trying to get out of the way. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Things like this, that, uh, or even if I see an auto accident or somebody laying in the street, um, that that just is just overwhelming for me. Uh, and there are a lot of more issues that prevail as you talk to other individuals, you know, because everybody mm-hmm. everybody got their trigger points. Uh, those are just some of my triggers, and every night I have a different dream about my service to this country. Wow, you know, you know. Thank you so much again. Thank you for your service and your sacrifice. And we are running out of time, and I'm not going to 
have time to ask you all the questions that I would love to ask, but um, I think we're at a point now where I can ask you, you know, if I'm someone who has served in the military and, one, I don't really know where to go to get service, or, two, I have just come out and I need service. If I were to go to the Veteran Strike Force, can you tell me, you know, what you're prepared to do there? And, and I know it depends on what they need, but but what is it, you know, we might expect if we were looking for services and we were looking for Veteran Strike Force to help us navigate this system? Veteran Strike Force will help a veteran with anything that at their disposal that they can help with. But our recommendation to the veteran that's coming out today that that that, that needs help, support, and assistance is to go to the local VA hospital and register themselves so they can begin to get treatment if they, in fact, need treatment. <clears throat> That's the mm-hmm. best piece of medicine that I, that I can give to a, to a young veteran and to the old veterans. What kept you so long? You know, uh, mm-hmm. come to the VA hospital. Come and see what there is to... Uh, because we got a we got a we got a new team at Jesse Brown that's coming on board that's doing a lot of good things. Uh it's not the old West Side VA hospital anymore, it's the Jesse Brown VA hospital. And they're doing some pretty good things over there. Uh just come and register because many veterans will lose their entitlement to health care and a lot of other things too if they don't file a claim uh or if mm-hmm. they don't uh uh register uh if I believe it's if after discharge, if they don't register within three year, two year, three year period of time, they lose those benefits. Wow. Yeah. So oh, it's just like you're not even a veteran. You got to go through. Uh, you got to go through uh, Trump Care or something like that. You know oh, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. I, I don't know. Too, I don't know too many people who want to go through Trump Care. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! So yeah, I want to remind. Our, okay, awesome. I, I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You, and we have come to the end of the show. And I, I want to thank Dumont Moore, the founder of Veteran Strike Force, for being a guest on today's show. I want to thank him again for his service. I want to thank him so much for his transparency. You know, because a lot of people could not tell the story that you told and they couldn't tell it like you told it. You know, like you said, we have a tendency to want to be strong and hold everything in. So I thank you so much for that. But before we go, is there anything that you'd like to share with us in terms of lessons learned, in terms of how people can get help, you know, how they can keep in touch with you and all that good stuff? Uh, Yeah, Bell. And again, I thank you for having me on your on your show and uh, the advice that I would give, uh, the advice that I would give veterans, don't wait too long. And if you don't use the VA hospital, there's nobody sitting in those chairs or accessing those halls or in those clinics. They're going to turn the lights off and we won't have Mm -hmm. a department of affairs. We're the only population group of people that's got their own hospital. So that ought to tell you something. 
That hospital was designed to help veterans. You have to use it. If you don't use it, there's a possibility we might lose it. And it's been a whole lot of talk about sending us somewhere else with a green card to access care Mm -hmm. from some other entity like Northwestern Hospital or Loyola Hospital or um, uh, University of Illinois Hospital. You know, it won't be a Department of Veterans Affairs Medical Center. <laughs> we'll have to go somewhere else. They'll give you a little card, mm-hmm. and you'll have to go there, and you and you can use your little card. You know, it won't say Department of Veterans Affairs. It won't even say that you're a veteran. You just have a card with a number, and you'll be just like anybody else. So that means you'll lose your own little autonomy that you've gained all these years and through mm-hmm. all these wars. So Mm -hmm. that would be my advice. And, again, Val, thank you for having me. Uh, I I, I hope to uh, be on your show again. Uh, Maybe uh, we could talk about some other issues that affect veterans Mm -hmm. or if you have some concerns. I can can always be available. I I would like to invite you to the Jesse Brown VA Hospital so that I could uh, be an ambassador and show you around to exactly what's going on at the VA Hospital and Mm -hmm. the regional office. And then you can put your own twist on it, being an expert that you are, and let the general public know exactly what's happening to veterans. Because we experience Mm -hmm. these issues on a daily basis, not just on Veterans Day. Wow, I, I thank you so much. I'm going to take you up on that. And, I, I, you know, every so often, you know, given the number of issues that are out there, you should come on, and if not you, then somebody else um, who deals with a, a different specialty. But, you know, I was just overwhelmed, you know, trying to prepare for the show and just looking at the number of issues, the number of services, and all that good stuff. So we definitely need to have you back on and you know, have you on periodically. So thank you so much for that. Glad to glad to be a service, Val. Thank you for inviting me on. You have a blessed day. I shall. I shall. And for our listening audience, I want to say thank you again for listening to Nonprofit You Blog Radio Talk Show. This podcast will be available for download within about an hour, and we really, really would like for you to share this in your network. You know, as you can hear, you know, one of the biggest problems that they're having is getting the word out. Um, There are very, very limited budgets for advertising, and the advertising is not coming from the federal government. It's coming from other entities that may offer services to veterans, and they probably have a very, very limited Budget. So it's incumbent upon each of us to help as many veterans as we can to get out the word. So, again, um, this show will be available for download in an hour. We ask that you share it, share a link to it in your networks on social media as well as through your email. You know, if you have a website, we ask that you also include this on your website. So, we want to make sure, too, that you join us next week when our guest would be Jesse Terrebaugh. He is the Director of Student and Alumni Affairs for the CARA Program, and we'll be talking about some of the issues that impact youth employment and unemployment and the work of the CARA Program and some of the outstanding work that 
people have come through the program have done. So until then, I want you to take care, and I thank you again for listening. All right, bye-bye. All right, you take care, Dumont, and thank you. Okay, but I'll get back.